So today I sat down with Kevin Hutchins, owner of Pineland Homes. Uh, he's a home inspector, and we sit down and have an awesome conversation about a topic that, honestly, not many people really think of during the home buying process. I mean, obviously, people often think, oh, I have to get a home inspection, uh, but people don't really know what that means and what that entails and how, honestly, how different inspectors differ from one another and how one inspector and their process can completely change the way that a deal is accepted or denied. Um, Kevin goes into how quickly his turn rate is for his inspections, which blew my mind. Um, every inspection that I've always gotten has always been two, three-day turnaround, sometimes a little bit quicker, but Kevin does it same day. By the time you're done with your inspection, he has brought you an inspection report ready to submit. So the turn rate for an inspection contingency is so minimal. And that's huge for submitting offers, especially in a hot market where you know, you'd like to get a home inspection, but it's not necessarily conducive to outbid other people. Um, so he goes into that. He talks a little bit about a new business, a home care business that him and a friend of his have started and are starting to grow. Um, super, super interesting stuff from Kevin here. Uh, I won't give away too much. I want everybody to listen to him, listen to his story, uh, and really the way that he goes about about his day-to-day -day actions, right? He's a he's a prior engineer, and so I've had a couple people on before who were engineers as well, and there's a distinct way that they go about running their businesses and how their organization looks, and funny enough, it's it's completely different from the majority of entrepreneurs uh, and it's fascinating to listen to how people who have an engineering background actually implement that into their entrepreneurial life so without further ado here's Kevin like most buyers are just not even thinking about it they're like oh I'm buying an older home or I'm buying an you know a, I call it a used home but it's just a home that someone else has lived in they're like oh yeah those probably issues I, I need to know it like I want to understand it new construction a lot of people don't even think about home inspection. And a lot of agents honestly are like, wait, that's why should they get a home inspection? The city's coming in, the builder's reputable, whatever it may be. But like, there's so many issues with new construction, just like older homes. Right. Like I have a guy down in uh, New Jersey, um, good buddy of mine in home inspecting. And he literally, it's just booming down there. Like um, Delaware, New Jersey, Virginia, that whole area outside of DC is just growing. And he does like million dollar houses all day. And just like finding gas leaks and like plumbing that is not like, it's literally just venting the exhaust from your furnace into your house, just like behind a wall. Right. And he's like, guys, what are we doing here? Yeah, like, yeah. this is a brand new construction. Like, and like city inspectors are not catching it. And like people got to hire an inspector. It's your third party. It's your own independent guy. Like I'm right. not there. I'm not selling anything. Like legally I cannot take a cut from anybody. It's kind of similar to real estate where like, there's no kickbacks or anything like that. Like I can even advertise like a company's business saying like, oh, hey, like use these people. It's like, here's a couple people I know in the area. You know, like I can't, right. it's, it's so strict because I have to be that independent third party. So and that makes sense too. Cause like if, if, a, if you could get a kickback from a builder, what's a builder like Toll Brothers to be like, hey, listen, we're, we're doing a 250 lot subdivision, mm -hmm. just pass them all through right. and we'll give you 200 grand. It's like, yeah, that, that makes sense. I never understood some of the other industries, like the no kickbacks for like loan officers. I mean, I guess I understand it mm -hmm. a little bit, but there's not as much risk. Right. But yeah, to risk something like that, to be like, oh, I'm going to turn a blind eye to that gas leak. Exactly. That's dangerous. Yeah. And I think the other thing too, and 
what I've learned from doing renos and doing new construction is that sometimes we actually do appreciate the mm-hmm. feedback because yeah, some yeah. a lot of the time, like when you're doing a 20, 30 something lot subdivision, let alone the larger ones, mm-hmm. things are bound to get missed. I mean, it's just a conveyor belt of homes and that's how it works so that everybody can get in on time and you're not moving in in the first house and construction's not going on for 10 years. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's like a conveyor belt. So sometimes we appreciate it. Same with the town inspectors. It's like, they call you out on something and it's like, oh, thank God we got this. Because if a home inspector came in, we'd have to rip down half this wall just to take care of this one little item. Yep, exactly. Yeah, so. I've done some over in like Durham, like the the Gov group. They're like the big real estate brokerage that does all sorts of new subdivisions in the Seacoast area. And I've done a couple other new constructions. And it's like I find some things and the, the agent that kind of represents the whole neighborhood or whatever, they kind of like split them off and do it that way. I'll be like, hey, like, Maybe when you're in some of your other homes, like this is pretty simple to look for, like go see if anything else right. is there. Cause I'm like, it's a safety hazard. Like I can't get into all these homes cause I'm not being hired to and right. half of them are already sold and who knows what, but it's like, if you're in these homes showing them, just check it out. You know, it's like, it takes your builder an extra five minutes to go back and fix that. And like, if someone's getting a home inspection, they're not going to call it out. It's also just makes the home more safe. It makes you guys look better. So, well, that's the thing too. Yeah. It, it's again, it's like when as builders, you're not a, a you're not an inspector. That's your job is to do things properly. But again, it's like, it's like having that ability to sort of outsource some of your third, fourth, fifth checks. Mm -hmm. That's, that's great. And that's awesome. So that's, um, that's interesting. Cause like I said, I've, I've, I always kind of wondered what it was about like the leniency on a home built in the sixties versus construction. <laughs> so right now I'm, yeah. I'm thinking in the mind, cause I'm doing a rental right now. And I'm thinking in the mindset of a home inspector, like, What's he going to call me for this? What's he going to call me for that? Like even a, a mini split I'm putting in, yeah. I'm putting in a Mitsubishi Hyperheat because I'm like, if an inspector comes in, I want them to look at that unit and be like, that's the best. <laughs> that's the best frigging unit you can put in there. Yep. And so, you know, thinking like that, I think, um, I think it helps. I think it helps build that reputation. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously you give a good product. Yeah. You don't have to always deal with the liability because if you miss a gas leak, there's some liability there. Right. So things like that. But Taking a step back, man. So you, um, I appreciate that, that super thorough kind of breakdown. I don't normally get that. So I appreciate that because, um, I do want to hear about your background. How old are you? 29. 29. Okay. So you had mentioned on here, you're looking to, you're looking to gain financial freedom by 30. Yep. Or 40. 40. Is that what you put? Okay. 40. Yep. All right. Yep. 30 was like the initial plan back when I first started and then life and everything happens. But like now... I feel like I've grown so much, honestly, that I know where I need to go and owning properties, having rental income, passive income, whatever it is, grow a business, step back out of it, have a bunch of inspectors underneath me, growing the home care company, like all these different things will funnel in and help me buy properties. Kind of similar, honestly, to what um, I was listening to your other part or uh, a couple of episodes, um, the wholesalers, how they had yeah. their wholesaling company and they're just funneling that money to buy more properties. It's like, right. that's pretty i have my two companies and i'm using that to funnel money to buy more properties right and eventually get my wife out of her w-2 job 
get her into the company. Like she's super excited about that. Like she's very into finances and all that. So like she'll just take on that piece of it and the whole back end and like let me actually go out and do it and grow because like I'm having to do everything right now, which is you're growing a business. And honestly, it's nice because I know how to do everything and mm-hmm. I can teach whoever it is I'm going to put in that spot. Um, I've looked into like virtual assistants for certain things. And honestly, if I can automate it, I do. If I can't or I like kind of wait until I have a list that I can automate it, um, I'll do that as well. But yeah, I want to be financially free. Just, I mean, I, I don't want to like quit my job and stop working. I just want to be able to be like, all right, I can, I can actually quit my job. I can step back. I can go take a month and take my kids and go to Europe or whatever, right. or Australia, go visit family, whatever right. it is. And just be like, it doesn't matter. Everything's going to run with me, whether I'm here, whether I'm not, whether I got a laptop, that's, that's the whole thing. So, right. And, and that's important too, to know that heads on, because well, I think I was talking about this with one of the wholesalers. I think it was Jake. Might have been Jake. It was one of them because I just had his business partner on mm-hmm. as well. Um, and I think I had mentioned that. Like, you have two different kinds of entrepreneurs. You have the entrepreneurs who, like, just love what they do and, like, that is their trade. Mm-hmm. And then you have the entrepreneurs who love building businesses and they enjoy the craft but they enjoy building the business more. And so you, th- these are the entrepreneurs you see like uh, this guy, Ryan Pineda, mm-hmm. who who started a flipping, or he started couch flipping, then did uh, a home flipping business, mm-hmm. then buying rentals. Then he's opened an accounting firm. And he's like, he just <laughs> loves opening businesses. Exactly. And so one of the things that I've noticed that all these guys do is, or the mistake that they normally make is they build the company on their own back. They don't have the anticipation or they don't have the the view of five to 10 years out saying, I understand that I'm still in like survival mode right now, but if I can still build this business around a plan of automation and delegation, then the path leads me to that point where as I get closer to automation, as I get closer to the point where that's more feasible, it's ready. It's ready to take on a VA. So like you said, building a list of certain tasks over time and learning how to do those to prep to train one of these people. And I've always said, you can't teach the janitor to sweep a floor if you never have. Exactly. And yep. so learning the business from the bottom up is the way to do it. So did you start with a mentor? Uh, yeah, so down in Massachusetts, you have to have a mentor for home inspections. Um, you, it, it, Massachusetts is just, they're mass, they're way worse than New yep. Hampshire. But yep. um, basically down there, it takes like roughly a year minimum, but like two years more realistically to get your license as a home inspector. So that's where I started. Um, when we were living down on Cape Cod, I got my real estate license. Um, during COVID, I was just sitting at home kind of bored. And I was like, you know what, like maybe I'll learn something. Cause I was, we were buying investment properties and stuff. And I was like, what if I could do this for myself? Like the commission's cool, but also just like having the freedom and the control to like go see houses when I want and mm. not dragging a realtor to 40 houses and not, you know. And and negotiation point, waiving the fee and everything too. Yeah, exactly. Like I I just felt like maybe I'd learn something cool and then meet a bunch of people and it's just a nice thing to have. And I did that and I had a mentor down on Cape. Um, She wasn't the best, but she did connect me to her, her home inspector who this guy was like, he had my dream job. I was just like, this guy gets to do something new every day. He gets to help clients. Like he's in the field. He's technically savvy like he understands houses like so well just like and i would watch him take like a first-time home buyer like with mold in the attic and a crack in the foundation and all these crazy things in the house and it's like they're like about to just like cry and run out and walk away and be like i can't buy a house nope can't do this 
and like just walk them off the ledge, explain everything to them. And by the end, they're like, yeah, no, I can do this. Like I can still buy a house. It's like, that's what a home inspector is there for. Like everybody, the first thing every real estate agent says is, are you an alarmist? And it's like, no, I'm not an alarmist. Like if I told you that you wouldn't hire me anyway, but like, no, I'm an informationalist. I'm here to educate. Like I really focus on that in my business. Like whether the clients can come or not to the home inspection, people are moving from across the country, whatever it may be, I always do a walkthrough with them, whether it's on, whether I record myself walking around the house and like pointing stuff out to them and send it to them, or I FaceTime them, or if they're there, I'm like, let's go. Let's start on the outside, go in and like basically follow the whole step that I just did, but I've just spent my time doing it. And now it's like, all right, let me show you everything. Let me walk through you and teach you about your house. Here's your water heater. Here's your furnace. Here's how to turn it on. Here's how to turn it off. Here's your air filter, whatever it may be. People have very little idea about their homes. So giving them that education on top of making sure that everything is sound and safe and they're going to be happy in their own home, then that's what I want to do. And I've leaned heavily into technology and I'm younger in the home inspection space. I mean, there's, I went to a home inspection conference like last month down in Atlantic city and I mean, a lot of people had pretty gray hair. I can and, guess the average age. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. So, you know, it was cool because there was maybe, you know, 30 or 40 of us who were like semi my age, you know, 20s, 30s. And we like all just instantly connected and we're like, this is awesome. Like there's other people who are trying to do this. And by the time we're that age, like hopefully there's new people coming in changing right. the game too. But it's like, I'm trying to raise the standard of the home inspection. Like that's where I want to go. Like I don't, I, my report is like using technology. Like you said, it's like, my report's done when I leave the home inspection. Like, yeah, you mentioned that, which yeah. is super interesting because I've always thought the same thing. Why can't somebody make their own system within their own business mm-hmm. that can provide that report on site? Yeah, right. So like I work with realtors and like one of the things I really try to get across when I'm meeting people and networking and being like, look, my home inspection, like when I leave the house, if there's Wi-Fi in the house, it's done. Like I collect the check or they've already paid online, whatever it is. And I hit the set, like I hit send. You have it in your email. There's no waiting. So you can have much shorter contingency periods. So like when you're putting in an offer and you know it's going to be competitive, you know you're going up against cash or whatever it may be, but they really want a home inspection instead of a 10-day contingency or a seven, it's like three, right. two. Like, However you know, quick you can get out there. Exactly. Yeah. So it's like they're, they're, they're calling me, like they call a lender and say, hey, like, can I get a fresh pre-approval? Whatever it is, they're saying, what's your schedule? I want to lock down Tuesday morning. Like, so that way they know they have it because we'll go under contract like Monday inspections, like done Tuesday by noon. And it's like, now we have the time to go back and renegotiate whatever it may be. Um, the report even makes like a mini report. The agent can go in and like select certain things and just be like, Hey, this, 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 and this. And like it made some mini report and it sends it right to the listing agent and they can put in like values. Like we want uh, cash back for this or we want to renegotiate and we want the price. And like it it just makes it so easy for them. So by the time, like if they had a morning inspection, they should be done. They should at least have their offer resent back out by the afternoon. Like so like, yeah, renegotiations pretty much same day. (laughs) Exactly. Or same day from from inspection ready, sort of ready to go. And that's that's interesting too the approach that you take, because, you know, the an agent can only explain so much about a house, right? They only, they, they know surface level things. And th- that's the reason why, like, they're only really supposed to find defects that are on the surface is for that very reason. They're not experts. And so one of the things, or 50% of the battle in my mind is, especially with a first time home buyer, but home buyers in general, 
if they walk into a house and they don't know how things work, they're already on edge. Even if it's a brand new water heater, if they don't know how it works and, and what the process of heating up the water looks like and how it gets to your faucet and, and where it comes from and all those things, they're already on edge. Let alone if they hear a buzzing noise or something, oh, yeah. right? And it's like, like, <laughs> what's that on the wall? It's like, yeah. like, what does that box do? I've gotten that every, you know, it's like, yeah, random alarm systems or whatever. Or the, it may the, be. Re- the red switch, yep. which is the, you know, the yeah. burner. T- but it's like, <laughs> oh, what, what's that for? What's that, you know? And so things like that, where I think, like you said, it like like fifty percent of the battle is just telling them what what the normal things are yeah. because it's not their job, right? To 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 learn every little aspect about a house and. Mm-hmm. There's a lot that goes into it, a lot of different trades and mechanicals. And I mean, hell, I, I'm always calling my plumbers or electricians saying, Hey, what, what's up with this? Well, how does this work? Explain this to me because I don't even know. Right. Right. And so that, that's an interesting approach. And do you often, do you work with first time home buyers more so than any other kind? It's kind of a good mix, but I do get a lot of first time home buyers yeah. and usually the reason why is because most first-time home buyers have never bought a house. They want a home inspection because they don't know anything, so that they're using it as an education. Right. They wouldn't just go in like as a seasoned home buyer who's okay. I bought three or four houses, whatever. I'm an investor on the side, whatever it may be. They might go in and be like, I can pretty much handle, or I can call a plumber, or I got a guy, or whatever it is. They're way more confident in it. But first-time home buyers don't have that, and then like you said, every switch, every buzzing noise, every like, what is that? What's going on? And it's right. like I'm there to educate them, and like I was a mechanical engineer before, so it's like I can explain systems yeah, all right. day long. Like that is my wheelhouse. You know, give right. me an engineer client, and it's like we connect, and they're like they they just calm right down because engineers dads tend to be the worst clients for real estate agents because right. they're so nitpicky and like. Oh, I know how to, oh, I know how that works or, oh, I, I think I can make that work or do this. And that's, that's, that looks wrong or whatever it is. And it's like, yeah. I can actually like explain to them using math or whatever they need, like just kind of read what they're, what kind of vibe they're putting off and take it and translate it into something that's helpful and right. can explain the problem or solve whatever it is they're worried about. So, so, and, and so one of the things I've noticed too, and this was more often a thing during, during like the, the super low rates and super, super competitive market were buyer knowledge only inspections. Mm-hmm. So do you, I mean, I assume you offer all kinds. So that's probably one that you do. Do you do a lot of those? I've done a lot more recently. It was like in the middle of the summer, it picked up. I think people were getting a little tired of trying to get home inspection on their contingencies and not getting houses. So they were like, just come to the open house, just come to a private showing, walk around with me for a half hour, make me feel okay about the house. Like knowing that like the major stuff yeah maybe knowing that like the furnace isn't going to die tomorrow or the water heaters you know got five years of life in it or whatever it is like i just need to know that i'm not going to spend a hundred grand the second i close and it's like yeah like i can do that and so i do those type of inspections a lot of pre-listing inspections a lot of people who are like hey like they'll call me and be like hey my mom's going to a home I live in California. I haven't been at the house in five years. Like we just want someone to go through the house and make sure it's solid for that next person that's coming in. We don't really plan on doing a ton per se, but we just want to be able to disclose the furnace is not working or the water heater is about to die, you know, just certain things. So that way, you know, they have a conscience more than anything. They just, right. they just don't want to sell it to some poor first time home buyer who's going to waive their inspection because they're so desperate to get a house. And then it's like, everything dies on them in the first year. And they're like, we could have helped them with that. And like, just, you yeah, know, at least disclosed it. So, well, that, that's the thing too. And I've always <laughs> wondered like, 
why sellers didn't do that for the mere fact that it, I mean, it honestly makes it more of an appealing listing in my eyes because transparency is what people want. It's not the fact that the water heater might go. It's the fact that they don't know when it will go. Exactly. And that's the problem. It's not the fact, you know, it, it, like the, again, the, the issue is the unknown. Mm-hmm. And I, and I always say like, I'd rather a yes or a no versus a maybe. Right. Like tell me no versus maybe. Huh. And so it's the same idea with, with, with buyers of all kinds. It's like, all right, water heater's got one year left. Mm-hmm. Not gonna, you know, this is a competitive offer. I'm not going to nitpick, but I know in a year that this is going to go. Yep. Or a good idea of it. Right, exactly. And I'm actually working with some agents now because it's such a competitive market to get listings that they're willing to start offering like pre-inspections. And there's data to back up the fact that pre-inspections help houses sell. Like people walk in there and they say, here's this, they get shoved a, you know, 100 page report in their face or it's on MLS and their agent shows it to them and they're like, oh God, somebody's already spent all this time looking at right. this house. Like, I don't need a home inspection. So now they're removing their contingencies based off of my inspection, which I was hired by the seller and obviously I have to be ethical and do my whole job. And it says right on the report, like you should probably get your own home inspection and have someone else walk through it just to, you know, legalese cover my butt a little bit. But, um, you know, agents are using that to walk into a listing appointment and say, Hey, I'm going to have a home inspection come in. We're going to do radon. We're going to do water. He's going to do like a floor plan for you. He's got 3d photo, 360 degree photos, whatever it is. Like this guy's awesome. And he's a part of my team. And then here's my marketing plan. And here's my yada, yada, all the other things that they're going to do and why you should pick me. And they're winning those because they have that asset, me and everything else that they're doing just to show like, you're going to get more for your money because I'm going to do all the work up front. We're going to list this thing and it's going to be gone immediately because we've done all the work. It's not just like, oh, we're going to throw it on the market way too high. Yeah. Crappy photos, whatever it is, cell phone photos. It's like, yeah. anytime I see that, I'm like, oh my God, who's that agent? Like I need to put him on a list. Like I don't oh, want to work with them. Like <laughs> No. And, and, and even when I see those photos, I'm like, it could be a brand new house, but I'm like, Oh, this room, this room to flip this thing. <laughs> like this is this is horrible. Oh yeah, literally, you could buy it, put new photos in, relist it tomorrow, and like it would sell for more. It's crazy. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, all right. So you um, so you mentioned you started. Well, you you didn't start as an agent necessarily, but you started sort of in the real estate space as an agent. Is that it, or you were investing prior? I was to investing it? first. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So I was up in. Uh, Portland, Maine. Um, actually, I was in Southern Maine. That's where I was living. I graduated college. Um, I went to USM in Gorham. And I lived at home. Like, I got a scholarship from high school doing well. And I, my parents, like, said, hey, we got, like, this little chunk of money here to cover college. And that's it. And I was like, cool, I'm going to make that work. Yeah. <laughs> so I worked for them. I worked on campus. I worked, like, a couple different jobs. I had a research project I did that I got paid for. And I think we got all the way to the last semester and they were like, we'll just cover it. Like you made it like seven of the eight semesters you needed, like that's fine. And so by doing that, like I had some savings and then my um, grandparents, um, one of them had passed away and I had to graduate college. She left me money, but I had to graduate college. And it was only like, I don't know, like 10 or $15,000. It wasn't a ton, but it was like, it was to help me pay for college. Right. And I was like, well, I don't have any debt. This is awesome. So I was like, down payment on a house. I was like, that was like my first thought. And by then I was thinking about, I was listening to the Bigger Pockets podcast and like investing. And I was like, I don't know, like I wasn't totally sold on it yet, but I was like, I know I need a house. And 
I, gra- or I graduated college and my parents started charging me rent to live in the house that I've been living in like my whole life. And I was like, oh yeah, no, no, I'm going yeah, to buy yeah. a house. Yeah. Like I need to do my own thing. And I did that. Um, I met my wife and then over like the next two years, we kind of got into the vest- investing, like really started listening to the podcast. I got her hooked on it. Um, I had, you know, an engineering job, so I was getting paid pretty well and we had saved up. She also was an engineer. So like we kind of had a little nest egg and we're like, all right, let's do this. Like she was driving, like I lived south of Portland and when she moved in and she was driving way north of Portland, like over an hour every day, like each way. And I was like, let's move to Portland. Like, let's just, I can't, I can't watch you do this like right. anymore. Like it's killing you. And so we were like, all right, let's, let's go look for a house. We just started looking for houses, single family. And then we're like, what are we doing? Like multifamily, like, yeah. let, like let's find a duplex, let's find a triplex, let's do something. And we found one and it was nasty. Like it was <laughs> nasty, bottom of the barrel. And, but it had good bones and we knew it. And so we're like, all right, let's do this. Like, let's, let's buy it. We negotiated a little, we got some money off. Um, and then we got it and we were like, all right, this is, this is it. And so we would, we kept working. We did most of the renovations ourselves. Um, so like we would go to work, work our eight, 10 hours, whatever it may be that day, and then head to the house, tear up the floor or pull up the carpet or repaint the walls, whatever it was that needed to get done. Um, we had a handyman through our realtor who was super great when it was like, okay, that's getting a little complicated. Can you teach me? Can you come help? Like, I just need a second pair of hands. But like, we did that for about two months, just ground it out and then placed tenants on the other side. And it like almost cash flowed like immediately. Like we were living in it and I think we were paying maybe like 200 bucks a month for like to live in our house. And we were like, yeah. this is awesome. So yeah, we were totally hooked at that point. We we're like, now, now we know what we want to do. We kind of started looking almost immediately for another one. And then we were like, oh, we got to kind of live here for a year and whatever. But we're like, we'll, we'll go look. We yeah, never yeah. know. We, we can figure this out. Yeah. Like, we're not married yet. So like I could go over there. We could put the mortgage in your name. Right. Like, we were going to figure it out if we found oh, a yeah. deal. Yeah, so. If there's a will, there's a way. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yeah. You still own that one? Yes. Nice. Yes. Oh, that is a huge cash cow now. It's like doubled in value. Um, rent has gotten, I think it started at like 1700 a unit. And now it's at like 2300 a unit. Oh, and... Yeah, like basically one unit is more than paying for the mortgage. It's it's That's it's crazy. Yeah. So yeah. how many doors do you guys have now? Uh, we have three. We had four at one point. Um, we after we lived in Portland for a while, my wife, um, she's a biomedical engineer, mm-hmm. so she's super smart. Um, so <laughs> there's literally like two two places she can work up in Maine. Like yeah. there's just not a lot of companies for her. Um, mm-hmm. So she looked for a new job, and it was like early 2020 like covid had just like started in the news it wasn't really happening yet and she got a job at johnson and johnson down south of boston and her start date was the second week of like march like shutdown week like, oh wow. when everything went to hell so she got a job and she's like all right cool we got to move like crap so we couldn't buy a house that fast so we found an apartment um just off cape cod and I was like, well, I'm a mechanical engineer. Like anyone will take me. It's very right. generic kind of, I can fit into design engineering applications, whatever you need me to do, I'll do it. And so we moved down there and then COVID shut everything down. And I found a job on Cape. She was off Cape. We started looking for a duplex cause that's what we do or just a multi. And we could not find one cause it was the start of COVID. Everybody was like not selling, yeah. just not happening. And then summer hit and then everybody wanted to buy a house because everybody was spending so much time at home. And then we were like, all right, cool. Like we're priced out of the market. We can't do it. It was Massachusetts. So it's just more expensive oh, generally. Yeah. Um, and we're like, 
why well, about like a short-term rental? What about like Cape Cod? Like we're literally right here. Like it's, you're working from home anyway. Like I was going in most days, um, but sometimes they'd send us home because the cases would spike or something. But, and so we found a house. It was literally, we switched real estate agents because our first one was not doing it for us. We were yeah. just like, like she had, we went, to, we went to some house. There was like water in the basement. Can you come down and like check this out? Like take some photos with us and like, just like, so you can call the, like the agent and try to help us like renegotiate this. And she was like, oh no, I have like high heels on. I can't come down the stairs right now. And I'm like, yeah, you're fired. Yeah, like yeah, yeah. literally you're out. So, um, switched agents. And this one was like on Cape Cod. She knew about short-term rentals and she found a house that was just coming back on the market, but it hadn't hit yet because it had a failed inspection. They the, they were first time home buyers. They found mold in the attic or something and they bailed. And she was like, I can get you in like literally now, like you need to leave work, get there. So we went and it was, it was a quarter mile from the beach, a quarter mile from the canal, like restaurants, like. So it was a sandwich. Yeah. It's sandwich. Yeah. yeah. Okay. And we were just literally like, we had no idea. Cause like, we didn't know Cape Cod that well, but we were like, all right, cool. This seems cool. And she's like talking it up. Like, oh, there's this restaurant and that and all these things. And we're like, all right, cool. That sounds fun. And, and so we bought it and then like we we bought it in September, so we lived through the winter, and then summer came. We're like, holy crap! Like this is prime time. Like we're in the right oh, spot. Yeah. Like we had we had no idea, and it was just like we lucked into it. And then now, since we've moved on from there, we short term rental it during the summer, and then we put in a winter rental every year for like eight and a half nine months, depending yeah. on what the um, the summer season ends up being. But yeah, it's honestly another great investment we were just like yeah. you know it, it's a different side of things but it's cool because like now we have both both spectrums and it's like i would buy either like i would go and buy something in bartlett north conway whatever somewhere that's like more year-round than that you could do short-term rentals but i would also just go buy a multi in you know manchester or whatever oh like, yeah that's that's also a great market like well, i, I, I see love it all, the south so. shore i i got yeah. uh our family's got a beach house uh in Duxbury. Oh, nice. So I nice. don't know what town you guys were in. Yeah, we but. were just in Sandwich. We were in, we lived in Wareham when we moved down. Yeah. And then Sandwich, we just popped over the bridge basically. Yeah. So I, yeah, I, um, every year we used to take our boat over to the vineyard. So we'd, mm-hmm. we'd cross the, um, we'd cross the bay because we were on like a, we we're on a small private beach in Duxbury. Yep. And so we crossed the bay, go to the canal. And, um, I remember this one time, dude, that we were coming out of a storm. Six, six, seven years ago, mm-hmm. and we get just so we were coming back from the vineyard at this this point, just let got out of the mouth of of the um of the canal, yeah. and we're on the way on the way back prior to when we were in Buzzards Bay, it was mm-hmm. already like three four foot chop, yep. but it was fine, whatever, dude. We got into this this friggin' like just monstrosity of a <laughs> swell where. And our boat was, it was a, thir- it was a 30 footer. So it was yeah. a decent size. I mean, it got around, but dude, literally I'll never forget. We go up this swell, go down the backside and all I'm, I'm looking upwards and all I see around me is, is just a gigantic, like it must've been, I, I swear to God, no lie, like nine, 10, 11 foot swell. Yeah. It was giant. So we turned around, went in the sandwich canal, but <laughs> um, I, dude, I, I love the South shore. Yeah. It's super expensive. It is. I mean, Duxbury right now. This, there's a house on, um, oh, what's the name? King Caesar. I don't mm-hmm. know if you're familiar with Duxbury. Yeah, at no, all. no. I I did some real estate in the yeah. general South Shore area, so I got. Well, to know if you're it an agent well, in Duxbury, so. you're already making a year's yeah. worth of freaking commission. On, but this one's listed for like six mil. There's a few listed for twelve, thirteen. I mean, South Shore is big money. Oh yeah. So the fact that you, I mean, even even on the Cape, the fact that you got a, a sandwich, a house mm-hmm. and sandwich, that close to the water. Yeah. 
Yeah, it's like a four-bedroom. Like it's only twelve hundred square feet, but like heads and beds is Cape Cod. Like Th- that's exactly that's all it. it is. Like you need a, a little shack, mm-hmm. and you need to you need to force like eight bedrooms in those things. Yep, yep. exactly. The whole front yard. The owners before us. Um, they, it used to be like a two little driveway. You could like park two cars, one behind another. Yeah. They just tore the whole front yard off and put rocks. Yep. So like there was no tar or anything anymore. It could fit like six cars. We're like, oh yeah, this is perfect. Like, oh yeah. Like, and that's what it is. People come with, you know, it's, there's a wedding going on and the, you know, it's the wedding party stays at the house or it's just like a couple families with a bunch of kids and like our neighbor next door rents um, as well. So like we'll team up with him, like say, Hey, like, they have like a rental like next door. Like if you need like more space, like just reach right. out to their to their rental company and see if it's available. Cause like, but honestly, like the whole neighborhood is is all freaking rentals. So all of it is, yeah, yeah. Our beach, you can't really. I mean, you can sort of do rentals, but it's like I said, it's a private beach, so it's a little more yeah. um, like in house type stuff. But same idea, like our houses, it just lined with beds. We have like thirty beds, <laughs> and it just lined. Like it's, yeah. it's not like like just the whole third floor is just. Yep. Bed, 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 yep, bed. Exactly. And it's the whole point of it. And a lot of those houses are like that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, all right. So you went to South Shore. At this point, so you'd met your wife. Were you guys married at this point? We got married in 2020. We started with the big old wedding like everybody wanted. And then restriction after restriction after wedding venue canceled on us. Versus, it was bad. Like, yeah. We tried eventually just renting like a private house up in Maine and they figured out we were having a wedding and the guy tripled the price on us, like oh. like on the rental because he knew we were going to have a wedding. He didn't care how many people we had. He was just like, oh, it's a wedding? That, this is the wedding price. And we're right. just like, okay, crap. Yeah. So um, her parents, my wife's parents, have a house um, on a pond called Tricky Pond. It's literally like right between Sebago and Long Lake. It's landlocked to all the other lakes around there. Um, but we just had 12 of us. It was an immediate family and got married like, right in front of the dock just oh, like nice. it, was, it was really cool honestly like we did it and we're like this is actually kind of what we wanted the whole time like, yeah right like we wanted the big wedding and have all the family there like that would have been amazing but we're like it was so cool to just have everybody who was like really meant something to us in our lives like sisters and brothers and and grandparents and stuff it was like this is what we wanted and it was honestly amazing so yeah i feel like anyone anyone who like wants the big wedding ends up figuring out like well there's two people People who want the big wedding find out that they wish they spent it on the honeymoon mm-hmm. or anyone in real estate says down payment for another investment. Product. <laughs> Literally, I've heard that story time in and time yep. again at every meeting. They, t- I'll, I'll talk to people who are like, you know, 40s, 50s. They're like, yeah, we just did like a courthouse wedding. We used the money we saved up and we bought an investment. And it's like, it's so funny because like you look at ROI. And I get it. It's a wedding or whatever. Oh, yeah. it's, it's supposed to be it's more emotional. Time, it's a one-time know, thing, but exactly. it's like, okay, a hundred grand for a wedding versus a hundred grand <laughs> for a multi that's going to appreciate, you know, almost in some markets, two X. Right. Oh and, yeah. And twelve years or whatever. Mm-hmm. You know, it's. I don't know. That's just, that's just the oh, real yeah. estate nope. mind. I'm I'm right there. With you, you know yeah. you know it. But um, yeah. all right. So you guys got married, and then you moved back up to New Hampshire. So, yeah, so we were in down on Cape through um, 2022. So we actually got married and then bought the house like within like a week. Like we literally went down and closed on the house. Like we got married on Sunday and bought it on like Wednesday or something. Yeah. Um, Lived down there for two years. Honestly, really loved it. It was cool. Like met a lot of people like um, 
in the real estate space down there with my license, just kind of like got into it a little bit. Problem is it's, it's Cape Cod. So a lot of it is either old people retired or seasonal people. So it yeah. was like, you know, we didn't have a lot of friends or a lot of like, it was also COVID. So it was kind of hard to like do anything. Um, but we explored, like we went everywhere on Cape that you could go to yeah. Martha's Vineyard. Like we just explored as much as we could. And we're like, we're only going to be here for so long. We knew that. Um, and then we decided to um, start our family and we had our son. And again, we like to move right when we have big life events. So we had him and then we, I think we either, the house came up that we wanted or something like right around the same time. Like he, I think he was born and we had moved in like a month, like or a month yeah. or two. Like it was like, we're moving with like a one month yeah, <laughs> in yeah, the car. Right. Like, um, and we'd moved ourselves, like, which was nuts. We shouldn't have done that. We yeah. should have hired some movers, <laughs> yeah. like just always hire movers. Yeah. So, oh, oh yeah. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. But yeah, so we moved up to New Hampshire. Um, in the meantime, while we were down there, I got reciprocity for my New Hampshire real estate license just cause it was like, take another test, do it. And I was like, yeah, why not? Like, I'm going to have a newborn. Like, this is going to be ridiculous for me to drag someone around. I didn't really know much about, I mean, the, the laws aren't that different, um, and I leaned on my broker a bit and was just like, hey, I'm going to need some help with this. And right. and bought my house with my, by myself, just, you know, as my own person, which was nice because I got the commission check at the end and then poured that right back into the house because I needed right. some work and stuff. Um, and yeah, so I was a mechanical mm. engineer, my wife um, still working at Johnson & Johnson, and we moved to New Hampshire. Our loan people didn't even remotely check to see if that made sense. Like I'm moving two and a half hours away from my job. Like, and I was right. an in-person like worker. I had, I had worked from home a bit towards the end cause my wife's pregnant and I'm like, look, I'm not going to get her sick. So I'm just going to be at home. Um, but her job was like pretty flexible. They were going to let her go. And the day I came back from paternity leave, um, because mass actually has like family leave down there. Um, I was like, all right, I'm back, like working on my computer. And they're like, no, you're supposed to be in the office. And I'm like, oh no, like I've been remote for six months. And they're like, yeah. uh, no, bye-bye. Like you're fired. Like, and I was like, oh, all right, cool. Like didn't really expect it. Kind of like in the back of my mind thought it might happen. But yeah. I was like, you know what? What, from moving? Yeah, from yeah. moving. Yeah, I was like, I I moved from my family. I moved, like, I, I did it for me. I, if right. The job didn't follow, the job didn't follow. I wasn't too worried about it. And it kind of like, just bought this brand new house, like pretty expensive, like big mortgage. Like luckily we had these investment properties kind of help us along. And I was like, crap, what am I going to do? Like, I don't really want to go get a new job and kind of freaked out for like a week just, and then I was like, you know what? Home inspections. Like I reached out to my mentor down in mass. And I was like, what can, how does New Hampshire work? What can I do? Like, can I, can I make this work? And he's like, yeah. And he, he gave me some pointers and he's like start your own business don't sign up with somebody else he's like in the long run you're going to be way more happy you're not working for someone you're going to get all the money from it it's going to be your thing like you have control and so i just like august of 22 just dove headfirst and i spent probably august till december just like like as much as i could working on it and honestly a lot of things people don't think of younger people is like daycare daycare is a thing oh, and yeah. it's expensive and it's impossible to get in. So we moved and Jack was already born. So we were like, uh, yeah, we need daycare. And it was like, all we could find was a nanny two days a week. So I worked 10 hour days, two days a week growing my business. That's all I had. Yeah. If I was doing an inspection, it was one of those days. If I was not doing an inspection, I was networking 
And if I wasn't networking, I was building the systems. Like, that's it. Like, that's all I did on those days. The other three days, I had to watch him. And then the weekends was like, my wife would give me Saturday or Sunday, like, because she's like, I know you need more time to, like, build this. And I just grounded out. Like, that's all I could do. Like, I think I've had over 200 and something meetings with agents in like the last year. Like I, that's the only way to grow this business is to put my face in front of somebody and say, hi, I'm Kevin. Nice to meet you. I'm the owner of Pineland Home Inspections. Like, you know, who's your current home inspector and how can I do it better? You know, it's like, right. What, what, what aren't they doing that I can do better? And I talked to so many people and that's what like kind of shaped my business the way it is. That's why my reports are done on the spot because everybody said, oh, I got to wait two days for my report. And I was like, okay, cool. Like, right. I, I can fix that. I know I can do it. So, but like, yeah, so, so I moved up, started the business and it just, I honestly, I've loved it. It's, it, it, you know, it's a tough market. It's not, mm-hmm. I'm not going to say I walked into it. You got in it a tough yeah, market. Exactly. So it's like, not everybody's doing home inspections right now. So it's like, I'm, I'm grinding, I'm working it. I'm doing my best I can, but I know that the relationships and the people that I'm meeting and the agents that I'm building those long-term like relationships with are going to be there when the market comes back. And like, right. I can tell a good agent from a bad agent who's going to be around in three years oh, yeah. versus who's going to be gone in the next six months. So it's like, well, and the yeah. other thing too, that you, you mentioned there was like, um, like, well, getting it in the tough market, number one, but how you talking to those 200, 250 agents shaped your business. Mm-hmm. And, I think one of the more important things to take from that is like, well, number one, I look at that from your perspective as like, how crazy was it that you got, like, I almost look at it as a gift that you got to get in at that point. Because mm-hmm. if we were in a, if we were in a buyer's market, agents probably wouldn't have an issue with the contingency period because they'd be like, I have the leverage. I, I can put in a, a 600 day close uh, contingency period yep. on inspection if I wanted. So you got to get like the most pressing advice from these agents. Like, like we don't get to do inspections. These are the things that are causing us to not be able to do inspections. These are problematic for us. So you got to shape your business based on a tough market. Therefore, mm-hmm. and I've always said this, I've said this to agents, I've said this to investors, anyone, by the time you get into the good market, your, your systems will be built so much better than anybody else's. Yeah. And that's the plan. And that was like, I I do believe it was a blessing in disguise and it's been a mountain of work. Like, yeah. I'm not going to sit back and be like, oh yeah, this was easy. It was like, oh my God, this is so much work. And right. I love it. Like, but I'm that guy. I'm like you mentioned in the beginning, it's like the guy who builds businesses. Like I love that, like love building businesses. Right. So i had like an ebay business in like like high school like selling like cases like for phones like online. yeah just like literally anything i could make money on. i was just i just loved that whole aspect of it so i've always had that entrepreneurial business thing in my mind but it was like this is the business that you know someone pays me a good chunk of money to go in and spend time in their home and to educate them and I'm like, I can build a life off of this. This isn't just like a, oh, like I'll sell a house here. I'll do that. Like whatever it's, it is what it is. It's like, I can like provide for my family. I can provide for my future. I can build the life I want off of this. And I would meet with agents and they would give me whatever their issues were. And I would just figure it out. Like I would spend, I'd write it down and I'd figure out what I could do to solve that problem. And once I solved that problem, I'd reach out and say, Hey, 
my inspections are now, you know, done at the end, right at the end of the inspection, or I have the best radon monitor that when I show up to the house, you have the results on the spot or whatever it was. Like I'm like, I will partner with anybody. You need, you need a lead testing and all these things that like licenses I didn't have. I made connections. So that way, when someone called me, they didn't have to call anybody else. I did all that work. I'd schedule all of it for them. It's like whatever I could do just to get them in and give me a shot. Like that's all I needed. You see it in inspections. Yeah. And, and that's huge too. It's, I think that's important for anyone, anyone to hear is like, you didn't, you didn't invent the wheel. You didn't invent the home inspection. What you did is very simple. You just made it better. And that's like, that's, that's, you know, that's one of the most common, but I think there's misunderstood points is like, everyone thinks that they need to create something new. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, how, how do we add another aspect to the real estate transaction? If anyone's thinking about that, please don't. Please don't <laughs> add already another way too many. <laughs> aspect to the real estate transaction. So don't start getting cocky and think that you're going to change the, the whole system. Right. It's what you just said. And you got specific too, which is, which is cool. I mean, you built your business around education, which is a little bit different. And, you know, you did the same day reports, which is a little bit different. But then finding those like nitpicky, like I, the, the reason I can provide these results is because I'm also getting the best equipment and I add in these other, like, like I said, the general contractor of inspections, you do it all, you do it quick and you find these little pain points that people have mm-hmm. and it works every time you, you listen to like the wholesalers that I was talking to. And he actually posted a story today talking about pain points and why it's so important to find the pain points. He's like, mm-hmm. it's not necessarily for upfront negotiation. It's also when they don't like your price, you have something to go back on and say, you don't like my price, but imagine not having to deal with this. Mm-hmm. Imagine not having to deal with that. And this same thing with you. It's like, I don't know what your pricing looks like and you're free to talk about it if you want to, but you know from the sounds of it, if you came in 25, 30% higher than the average inspector, I'd still choose you personally, because I get all the rest of it, especially on the selling side, because I get the photography or the, the, um, like the 3d photos and things like that. Mm -hmm. So if you want to talk about your pricing, feel free. Yeah. Yeah. So home inspection pricing, I've played with it a lot, which is cool. Cause like in the beginning, I kind of had one, like my mentor gave me his pricing and was like, that was like Massachusetts pricing. Like he is like South Shore, Cape Cod. So like people are kind of going to pay more down there. It's just right. a richer area. So I kind of had to scale it back and like, but I understood how he was doing it. Um, my home inspections start at 350 for condos or single families and less for mobile homes. I think it's like 300 for mobile homes. And then it goes up by square footage. So if like I'm doing a 3000 square foot colonial, it's going to take me longer. I'm going to be there longer. You're going to get charged more. Um, but typically they end up in the like four to $600 range. And then we can add on radon and water testing. And I bundle certain things together for like people who are concerned about radon. I'll do the radon water and the radon air. If they're more concerned about, um, like air quality, we'll do, um, the radon air and I can do like indoor air quality testing. Um, I can also like do all three of those and just, you know, here's a, here's a discounted price right. for doing all three. Cause like, if I'm at the house, I have all the tools I've bought all the most expensive, the most technology advanced. Like if it makes me, if it makes it easier and it saves me time, I'm buying it. Right. Like, period. My, for instance, like my thermal camera, um, it's, it's a standalone device. 
I can take photos. It takes like a photo of the room, like a standard camera, and then it sh- and it has the thermal with it. So mm-hmm. like in my report, it's like, here's the room, here's the thermal. So you can yeah. see exactly, because sometimes it's almost impossible to tell yeah. what you're looking at. Um, but it literally syncs to my iPad. So I just like click a button and here it is. And I drop it in my report and I'm done. I'm still done within 10 minutes of the inspection being done while I'm sitting in my truck, just transferring photos. Like it's, it's literally like if I can do any of that stuff, the three cameras, the same or the three, 360 degree camera, same thing syncs right to my, to my iPad. It's like, I just spent all the money on that to make sure that everything met the standard that I wanted. And that like, if I was a buyer, I'd want all of these things. And it's like, I want to show up and blow their mind, like right. seven star service. Like I'm not here to just be like, oh yeah, the, the door's loose. You should probably, you know, fix that. Like, right. like I'm not like walking in with a screwdriver and a flashlight. I have tools like, and I got a whole truck full. Like that's my whole point. I pull out the drone and I'm flying the drone around, like whatever it is, like I use, I have all the tools at my disposal just to do that. And by me learning those systems and making it so easy, I, can grow fast, but I can also scale because now I know what I need to set up another inspector underneath me and be like, these right. are the tools they need. These are the training that they need in order to do this seven level, like seven star service. Like right. that's the whole goal. Like I just want to blow people's mind when they come. Like they, they just don't even know it's going to hit them. Like that's right. the whole point. Like I well, want to and, do and the systems are like sort of a testament to the, the non gray hair. Right. I mean, let's be honest. Like you're talking iPads right now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's 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 not that's yep. not as common as we would hope. But th- I mean, it's it's that easy of a fix, yep. right? It's like just learn how to use an Apple device, mm-hmm. and you can two x, three x, four x your business. Yeah. Right. And so there's there's a lot to unpack because it's just it's like every business. And anyone who sat across this table has has done exactly what you've done in a different way. It's just found found that specific pain point, but like really got creative. Didn't they? they like it's it's interesting to hear the the sort of things that they've implemented in their own businesses to overcome those pain points mm-hmm. and differentiate themselves. Because it's it's tough. It's it's not easy. It's not easy in an oversaturated market of any industry mm-hmm. to try and differentiate yourself. And, you know, you have the upper hand being young and being surrounded by, you know, you understand what people are looking for right? at the end of the day. Right, exactly. And I work, like, meeting 250 agents, I also figured out what kind of agent wants to work with me versus right. the ones that don't. Because, I mean, I get it. Agents have a team or they have, like, their people. They got their lender. Like, this is my guy. I send you to him every time. That's who you use. Like, right. he gets it done. I want to be that guy's lender, but I want to be the home inspector. Like, right. That's that's who I want to be for those people. Now, once people have gotten into the industry and done, real estate agents have done it for a year, two, three, whatever, depending on how long they've been doing it, because like COVID has just been its own mess of a learning curve for everybody. But if they were doing it even remotely before, they probably have somebody. And if the, unless that person dropped out during COVID because it was so tough for them to stick in it, they're probably still using them. It's a trust thing. It's like, right. I trust this guy so much. He's done a great job. It's like, I have to give them, I have to overwhelm them with a reason to give me a chance because why wouldn't they just go back to their same guy that's been doing it or the same company? And it's like, most of the time I hear like, oh, 
that company is great, but I only like that one inspector they have. I, he has like four or five guys underneath him and I don't really like any of them. Like I've done work with them. It's like, I like him. So if I can't get him, it's like, I would rather just go to you if I can always get you. Right. And it's like, I just have to find whatever the pain point is to you know, kind of just expose it to him. And I work really well with younger agents because I am so technology. I'm so, I'm just younger. Like most of the time, younger agents are working with younger people. Oh, yeah. It's just kind of the way it works. Sometimes I mean, a lot work... of these teams of realtors I know, like all, everyone in their team, mm-hmm. with the exception, I'll say, of home inspectors <laughs> because there's there's just not not many. Right. But one of the things that you you said too there is, you know, you were talking about, you're talking about the agents and you know, sort of like their, their bias towards what they, what they, they're familiar with. One of the things that I've seen is that, and I only know a handful of agents and most of them are the ones I've had on here mm-hmm. are, they treat it like a business. Yep. And there's an agent who treats it like 1099 income. They're just, this is their income. They just have a different tax statement. Mm-hmm. And there's agents who try and create a business. Yep. There's home inspectors who treat it like just a different kind of tax statement. Mm-hmm. And there's home inspectors who build a business. And that I think is the difference. The agents that are more apt to go and look to sort of refine their team are the ones who view it as a business yep. and vice versa, right? And so it it just, you got to ask yourself, like, is, it, is this agent going to look at this and say, okay, this isn't worth fixing it because it's not broken, but do they really understand what broken looks like? Right. Right. And because if, if they've been molded the last 30 years, this is how a home inspection goes. It's like, yeah, there's nothing wrong with this then. Mm-hmm. Why, why would I change it? There's nothing wrong. And so that's, I think, huge is, is treating it like a business yes. so that you're always refining. And, you know, there's a lot of people who are okay with where they're at. And so they, they're okay with just doing a few deals a year and that's where they're at. Right. So my at least my perspective is that you probably have better luck with the agents who are constantly growing Mm -hmm. because they're also trying to grow their team. Exactly. Yeah. Like I look up to the younger agents who, I mean, they're, they're younger than I was when I started and they're already killing it. And like the, the wins, the was, the Waylands of the world, the whole rogue friggin' realty realty one, one, like whatever, like next level. Like I feel like every agent they hire is like, I want to work with them. Like right. that's the kind of people that I know will want to work with me. Right. I just got to get my shot. And that's all it is. Like, right. and I mean, I live like in between the seacoast and the Manchester like area. I'm like right in the middle of one one So it's like, I'll go either way. I'll go two hours. I've freaking gone to North Conway. I've gone to Jackson. I went to Freeport the other day. I started in man. No, I started in Concord. I went to Summersworth. Then I went to Freeport all in one day. Oh, wow. I was like, I'm going like, yeah, right. give it to me, you know, like I, I just want it. And, and I just want to grow. Like I want to grow, but I have the systems in place to help me to scale because you can grow as fast as you want. If you don't have anything to support you, you're just going to fail. So right. you have to have everything to scale with you. And that's, I'm trying to keep that dual perspective of like, I need to meet all these agents. It's a numbers game. The more number, the more agents I know, the more chances those people are doing deals and the more chances that one of those deals has a home inspection and then I get the call. Right. If I'd only know 200 agents, that's not enough. I need to know 2000 agents. Like it's, I'm going to grow like mass. Uh, I have my sights on my mass license finally to your process. Like yep. I said, um, start of the year. So like 
January, February, sometime once the paperwork goes through and they process it, I'll be good to go in mass. So I'll start doing Northern Mass because I know one of the other things that I always got as a kickback from agents was, oh, you only do New Hampshire and Maine. Well, I'm licensed in New Hampshire and Mass. Mm. Like, I want one guy to call. Like, call me when you have a Mass license. And it's like, right, okay, good to know. Like, you're on my list. So once I have that, like, all these agents that are like, they start in New Hampshire, they start in Mass, they get that dual license. Why would they want to have two home inspectors? Why wouldn't they want to have the one guy that can go down to, you know, Methuen, whether it's Boston, whatever it is, all the way up to Concord in the Lakes region. Like, they want to have that guy. And I want to be that guy. So I'm focusing on growing licenses. Like, I have more licenses than I care to admit. Yeah, like, right. Between radon and water and, like, indoor air quality, like, everything requires a license. And do you need to, like, if you start hiring people, do you need to have the license like a broker does for them to hold theirs? No. So it's, they can have, they'll have their own individual license. Okay. So one of the downsides that I see to scaling and I've talked with, and I'm starting to get more in touch with like um, multi-inspector firms across Mm -hmm. the country. I met a bunch at the the home inspector conference. Um, You can hire really good people, but the problem is those really good people probably are going to go start their own business at some point, because if they're that smart and they're that good, you got to really do something to make them stay like commission split or W2. Like you got to like give them health insurance, give them paid time off, whatever it is. Like you got to do something to keep those people to help to grow your business. Cause those people can literally turn around and walk and go anywhere at any time. Similar to a real estate agent. Like you work for a broker, but usually that broker is a little more stable. It's a part of a bigger company or national company or whatever it is. But it's like, I can just switch brokerages tomorrow if I wanted to. Like it's, there's really nothing holding me there unless I have like a deal in escrow. Like, right. you know, once, once I'm clear of deals or even screw it, just pay a fee and move on. So, but, um, but yeah, no, there is no broker license sort of a thing level, um, in home inspecting. It's just, you have your own license. You are your own person. You can work for somebody or you can do your own thing. So, so what I've noticed, and maybe this, you take this as advice or not at all, but a couple things. One, we were talking about Realty One. Mm-hmm. There's a reason why they don't go to EXP and become an independent agent. Mm-hmm. It's because they have Realty One to back them. Right. And Realty One focuses on like modern day marketing mm-hmm. and, and technology and things like that. If you can be the Realty One of home inspections, the the point of, of people staying with you is that they carry the marketing with them. Mm-hmm. If they go and start on their own, they need to start from square one build the same systems you did, mm-hmm. build the same marketing funnels they that you did, yep. do the same one-on-one networking because at a certain point you can become a more inbound lead generation company. Yes. And so I'm sure that's what you're going to start focusing on next. Yes. The other option in my mind, and I have no idea how this stuff works, so this could be completely false, but would be something closer to like a franchise mm-hmm. where you could just franchise it rather than than holding people in as employees. That way they get to run their own business under your name. You get to grow and scale. They run under your name. I know franchises are a little bit more expensive to start up, Mm -hmm. but I just, I see the path that you take, which is the the younger, more modern day route. I don't see why you couldn't solve the problem of retaining those inspectors using a more modern approach. Yep. Yep. Yeah. I have heard of the the financing finance, sorry, Franchising, there mm-hmm. it is, <laughs> the franchising model. Um, a couple of um, the bigger, we'll call them home inspector firms in the state, 
are franchises. Yeah. Um, the win home inspection, the pillar to post, um, there's a couple, uh, they're national companies. That was who my mentor was with, was with pillar to post. And he was like, get me out of here. Like I'm, I don't want this. So I like that. I would do it on a local level with guys I trust that like I brought in, um, and like give them a territory, like a true, like, Hey, you have these 30 zip codes or whatever. Like that's your territory. And like, it's, it's your own franchise. You do your own thing. Like I'll run the marketing. I'll run the, I'll be the upper head, whatever of it. But like give them their own space. The other thing I've heard that's been really successful is bringing in uh, people to do certain parts of the job. So there's home inspecting, but there's also septic inspections and there's radon placing and picking up and water testing. So like you could bring somebody in and they could just do all the ancillary services. So they're running around doing all that, going to whatever houses, whenever, just doing that while someone else is just doing a home inspection. So they can focus solely on that. And then we got our septic guy coming in and each one of those guys can have their own business. Like, Hey, I'll take a fee for everything that I send you, but like you're the one making all the money for it. And because like, you'll buy the equipment, you'll do it, you'll manage it. But like, I've heard of like some people in like California, that's what one guy did. He's like, he brought him in and he trained him to do like sewer scopes or um, like just, he bought him a, a camera, like a $10,000 camera. It's like, here you go. It's top of the line. This is my gift to you. Start your own business. And now you're my, can- you're my sewer guy. And so right. he just sends him all of his deals. They're always working together, but like he's still a home inspector and the other guy's doing his other thing, but he still gets to work with him and, and have that, you know, great company feel, great company vibe and, and customer service that he had when the guy was actually just a home inspector working for him. So, so yeah, removing yourself from the business can get a little bit tough in terms of trust, but there's ways around that. Exactly. Exactly. And so I think we're, uh, we're get we're getting there. Oh, we got, yeah, we got a little more time. Um, so I wanted to talk about the other company. Mm -hmm. Um, so that's like a more like a home maintenance company. If Yeah. Right. Yep. So, um, one of my neighbors, uh, we had a dad's night and he had someone over, um, just actually I think it was maybe his daughter's birthday party. Who knows? But yeah. I just, I'm always networking now. Yeah, so right. it's like anywhere I am, it's like, Hey, what do you do? Um, and he, he's got a super cool job. Like he is, he actually works for a company called Checker, which is a background checking company. And his primary account is Uber. So anytime an Uber driver like checks in to the app or is getting screened to become a new driver, um, their checker is the one running the background checks to make sure they're good. And like, they run like mini background checks, I think when like someone signs into the app every day to like, make sure that like nothing has happened since the last time that they signed in. Um, so he's like, that's what it is. He's a software engineer, um, super smart guy, super into like just businesses. Like he's like, I want to, I want to grow a business. I want to do something. And I just was just casually just like, oh yeah, I'm thinking about this like home care sort of like, I meet all these buyers and or even just sellers. And it's like, when I do a home inspection, the majority of the stuff I find is deferred maintenance or I didn't call a plumber because I had to figure out a plumber to call. Or I had, you know, it's like just stuff that went wrong because people got lazy and people didn't have a resource. So we started talking and I was like, maybe this is a thing. So we're actually, we've created the company now. It's official. Um, we are going, the whole model is a subscription model. It's a mm-hmm. monthly subscription. We've run through a different, a uh, couple different ideas of like how we want it done, whether we target like um, 
more affluent communities and focus on like full home care and like like a high ticket like you know eight nine hundred dollars a month sort of a thing like but we literally you call us 24 7 and we have someone there within 24 hours like that level all the way down to like it's a free freemium sort of thing where you sign on and you get like an account and then we send you checklists of like hey it's you know october you should probably it might freeze soon so you probably want to you know, winterize your irrigation or your outdoor faucets and, and kind of like do that and, and provide like how to videos and like step-by-step instructions and stuff for that. So like we kind of went through the whole gamut of what we wanted to do and we landed on like a, a kind of an in-between. So like, you know, I think it's going to be like $10 a month. Um, and honestly, what we'll do is we'll have the real estate agent when I do a home inspection will as a gift potentially pay for the first year. Okay. So it's 120 bucks. That's nothing on the on what the real estate agent's making. Right. And it ties them in. We'll tie their marketing, the real estate agent's marketing, in with our marketing. So that way they're still, their name's in the conversation, top of mind, which is literally what they're trying to do 24-7 right. anyway. So one more channel is not going to hurt. Um, and so what we'll do is we'll provide all the checklists and do all that stuff. A home, I will go to the home if I haven't already and do a, do a whole scan of the whole place. Like I will know if it doesn't have gutters, what it will take to put gutters on the house. So two years down the line, they say, hey, we want gutters. I just say, cool, gutter company A, B, and C. I want quotes automatically. Within 24 hours, I have three quotes for them and they can pick whichever one they want. And it's like, I just want to have the network of all these contractors, all of these um, companies that for whatever they need, we can connect them to it. And then also provide the same kind of freemium stuff where it's like, you know, cause some people want to still mow their lawns and some people right. do still want to like fix their own stuff and whatever. So it's like, cool. Here's, here's like, you know, how to videos, like, like five steps, you know, it's a couple minutes long, like watch this. This is how you winterize your outdoor faucets. This is how you change an electrical outlet. Like, cause some people buy homes and it's like, they have all the brown outlets and they're like, Oh, I want to put white ones in. And I'm like, that's like $20. Like go right. to the store and like, you only have like 30 outlets in this whole house. Like right. it's like 30 bucks at Home Depot and time. And I was like, I, I just like, I know I need to make a video and have that in a, in a platform where they can log in and watch it and do it. And it's like just having all these things and being able to help people maintain their homes while they live in them. And then life changes and they need to move or they get a new job. Their home has been maintained the whole time. And when the real estate agent goes to sell, we can like produce like a PDF of like, here are all of the services that we have done to the home over the last like two years. Like, so you, you're a essentially a home maintenance management company linked in with a general contracting. Yep. So you, you essentially are the middleman between like you, people sign on, they request a certain job quote, Mm -hmm. and then you go find the numbers. Mm Mm-hmm. And so that's how it works. Okay. Yep. Yeah. So we'll either, and depending on what it is. So like the, the $10 monthly fee gets you in the door and it gets you all access. It gets you access to our call center eventually. And I like, you know, Hey, my hot water heater is leaking. Great. You need an emergency service. We're going to call our emergency company and get them out there for you. Like we just want to take all the pain points off. We want them to literally like, we want to have an app one day, um, which he's actually building like, in, in like on the side we're doing website first and then we'll transition to an app but like i want to have an ai chat where like someone literally says like my water heater is leaking and it's like great can you take a picture done all right awesome joe from abc plumbing will be there in an hour like 
I want that all automated on the back end, just like. Is boom. there anything like that? Not really. No. I was gonna say the closest thing that I can think of is like Angie or Home yep. Advisor, but that's not. That's nothing. Angie, I so as a home inspector, I am a contractor of sorts. Yeah. So I could sign up for Angie, and I did it as an experiment just to see what it was. It sucked. It oh, was so bad. I have it. Yeah. I've gotten. I, I've spent fifteen hundred dollars in leads. Yep. Not one job. Yep. Nine of them, I call. I called, and it was either no answer, wrong number, people yep. didn't. Yeah. No, Angie. It's horrible. I have no problem saying this. Angie sucks. Yeah. It's horrible. <laughs> yep. It's terrible. Yep. Dude, that is. Yeah. So we want to be the anti-Angie. We want. We literally like. <laughs> I love that. Anti-Angie. Yeah. Exactly. So it's like we're kind of taking what they're supposed to be doing and doing it way better. Just like... Well, you're personalizing it. Yeah. Everybody's and, already vetted. Like right. that's And it's not... I'm not sending you a lead for some algorithms telling you it's worth $55 for this person's phone number. It's like, no, like you're in our network. You own that zip code. If, you know, Jessica down the street needs something with her house, you're getting that call or you're one of two or three that's going to get it. And like, if you can follow up, great. If you can't like... And we want to like be more general with it. Like it's not, I want to automate it as much as possible. So like, if you want to own the zip code, great, you can take it and you can handle it. But if you can't get it in a certain amount of time, we'll just move to the next person, but you have time to do it and handle it. So, right. but like, yeah, we're, we're going to work through all of that. And, but literally having it be automated and just so the homeowner can just easily take care of their home. And like, we'll have a handyman on staff most likely, or several, they'll come and do the maintenance on your home quarterly. So like change your air filter, change your water filter, um, you know, vacuum out your uh, dryer exhaust vent that like I inspect so many of those and they are solid full. Like it is a fire waiting to happen. Like just things that keep your house being more efficient. And then we'll eventually we can move into energy efficiency and all that. Like there's so many things we could do with it, whether we just work with another company that's already doing it or start our own thing from within and say, hey, we're going to take this niche and like own it and right. mow lawns or whatever it is that we feel like we can own. So, Well, and that's the thing my, my dad always told me, it's pretty common, the best invention to make is something that makes an American lazier. Yep. That's the reality. Yep. And I'll add to that, lazier or just life more efficient. And right. in this case, it's a one-stop shop to find contractors. Because the hardest thing to do is to find contractors. Because someone's – if – um. Like for instance, the um, energy kinetics board on my on my boiler right now has been buzzing. It's probably mm -hmm. the, one of the low voltage boxes in the back. But if I was a homeowner, I'd say this is a boiler. It's, it it looks it's lights, so it's probably an electrician. Mm -hmm. But my electrician came by today. He's like, I, I don't touch this thing. Yep. So it's like half the battle is trying to figure out who do I even call. Going back to what we were talking about earlier, they don't know it really near, virtually anything about the house. Yep. And I think. You know, you can make your money on low cost, 10 bucks a month. Mm -hmm. People get access to a network of contractors, but it's easy for them. They don't have to figure out which one. They right. put in their problem. You figure it out. You get them the numbers. It's systemized. It's back and forth. Boom, boom, boom. Yep, exactly. And, and then at some point, when we start, it's going to be finding the way to connect them the most efficiently and whether we have agreements with the contractors that they... In the beginning, we were not going to, but like eventually we want to have handle a payment. So it's like, all right, your, your brand new water heater was $800 and we just skim a fee. 
Like it's, right. it's a 1% fee or whatever. And like everybody agrees to that. So that way they're not paying a monthly fee to be on there. They're not doing it. Like they're not paying a lead cost. They're not paying a lead cost. It's you only pay us when you get like the job. Right. And it's, it's similar to like real estate agents when like you actually like the op cities, the Zillows, whatever, when you close the deal, that's when you pay for it because it actually happened. You, it's like yeah, free that's, leads that's or whatever. Huge. That's right. huge for me. It's like, and, and that was the problem with Angie for me, me just in the contracting side, I called them up and I'm like, Hey, what, what's up with this? They're like, well, we can't force the person's hand to, you know, to do the job. I'm like, well, that's not a lead. Right. They're like, we consider that a lead. I'm like, well, that's not a lead right, exactly. because what a lead would be is somebody on the phone saying, yeah, I want to do this and I'd like to get some numbers, right. not a wrong phone number. Right, exactly. Every lead is not like a cold. It is literally a hot lead. Someone yeah. needs a new roof. Right. I already have the dimensions for you. Here you go. And, like, and so the thing that, that I would say on the contracting side um, that I'd request from something like that would be just a better vetting process on yeah. the cons- on the consumer's end mm-hmm. to make sure like, okay, you need a new roof. How quickly do you need a new mm-hmm. Like, And I know they do, they do timeline, but people just put in whatever the hell they want. Exactly. To have this model where like you oftentimes met them at the inspection, you know them, they feel, they feel more obligated to be honest with you and your company. Right. That's something. Um, the fact that like it's tied in with their agent and things like that, there's just more like... It's more personal. More, more personal. Right. And I'd feel obligated as a consumer to be more honest about things. Hey, I want a new roof. I'm just trying to get some numbers mm-hmm. right now. I don't know if I want to do it just yet. Exactly. And, and that's like, huge. That's what we want to build in because we want to... We're not just going to like build the system blindly and be like, all right, this is going to work. Right. It's, hey, roofers. What do you do when you quote? What do you need? What information can I get from my customer to connect them with you most efficiently? Right. So you have what you want, you have what you need, and then it makes the whole process so much smoother. Like if it's timeline, great. Like we will ask them for an honest timeline. Like, are you just shopping around? Like, that's okay. Like, do you you literally have a hole in your roof? Like did something fall through your roof? Like, what is it? Where are we on the spectrum? Oh, like it's just getting old and I'd like to have somebody come look at it. Like, I just need to know so that way I can provide the information. And like, we're gonna make that very clear. And like, they're gonna have to get through a field of like, you know, answering some questions or whatever to, to request that service. So right. that way we have information to pass along. And obviously we'll always have a call center. We'll always have someone to be able to like, whether it's the contractors having issues or whether it's the homeowner having issues, like we want to be there for everybody so that way we can help it work. Cause like all it is is half the time it's a misunderstanding with, oh, they're not here. And it's like, oh, well, they're going to be there at this time. And it's just right. like, it's like, we, we just want to handle all that and make it normal, make it common. So, right. But yeah, that's interesting. And, and you know, having like, like it, we were mentioning going through w- during the inspection, you already have information that you can put in the system anyways. Like, yep. like something like a roof, you can get dimensions on it and mm-hmm. pitch and you know up front. So you can almost put that in their file. And if they opt in to, to t- take that service, you always have those those specs and measurements put in. Yep. So you know what the history and everything. That's huge too. Right. On this, on the, even when like you're selling vehicles, they always say keep your receipts of all the work that you've done to the, the truck or the car. Yep. So that when you go to sell it, you can show all the maintenance has been done. Yep. That is huge. Yeah, literally. That, that in and of itself. And actually I got a, the house I just bought, I got a folder mm-hmm. this thick of all the septic receipts, like the septic cleaning receipts. Yep. They weren't too updated. I think mm-hmm. the last one's for like 2012, <laughs> but the, the system was put in an O2, so I'm not too worried about it. But all, all different kinds of receipts. And that I looked at, like, obviously I didn't get an inspection, um, but I looked at it like if I was a first time home buyer, 
this might be enough for me to feel comfortable enough with this right. house. The buzzing of the energy kinetics board <laughs> might have threw me off, which it did throw me off. So yep. even as an investor, I was like, Ugh. yeah. But um, dude, that's really interesting. I um, keep me posted with that stuff. I oh, I, yeah. I want to hear about that because that that right there is like what what excites me is those kinds of businesses where it's like like we're sitting here and I'm like, is there anything out there like that? No. Right. Like that, that to me is very, very interesting. So, um, yeah, I'd love to hear more about it. Um, all right. So one, three, five and 10 year goals, personal business, whatever you want to do, you can mix them up, do whatever. Okay. Um, let's see. One, one year. Um, honestly, I just want to double what I did this year. I think this year I spent a lot of time networking. Do I want to do double the amount of inspections I did this year. Yeah. Um, I'm on track, I think, to do about 100. And like that was like my goal. Like, I'll do 100. Like, that seems like pie in the sky. Like, right. I, I know literally nobody. Like, so I'm on track to do it. And I'd love to do 200. Honestly, like a solid year for a home inspector in a good market is like three or 400. So, right. If I can get 200, I'll be happy. I'll have time to still work on other things and still build the business as needed. And then like, maybe I can even start mentoring somebody in that time frame. But by year three, I definitely want to have at least one person working underneath me, um, if not a couple, and like be stepped out of it. Like that three-year point is where I feel like, obviously I'm going to do home inspections for the clients, the real estate agents, whoever it is that need me. Like they expect me to be there because I'm the guy that, that's the whole reason they use me. So I will be there when needed, but I want to be able to step back as much as I can so I can do the home care or whatever it is and, and, or just have time to enjoy my life or go invest in an investment property and do something fun. Um, five years, it would be great if home care was like off the ground and totally running. And like, we were just like financially self-sufficient and free from that. Cause that, although home inspections can make me, can bring me and my family to a point where we can be financially free home care the numbers are they scale and they scale fast and it will blow the home inspection business out of the water i'll be running that business and probably dump dump the home inspections honestly right if that becomes such a thing but um but we are also building that business to be as passive as we can and building the systems the same thing like the home inspections i was like we got to do this the right way and he's like literally that's all i do all day i build systems i build automation like that's that's my life so um shout out to dave um he's the guy who's my partner for that he's literally awesome he's just so (laughs) good at it um in 10 years, like 10 years, I'll be about 40. So hopefully I'm pretty much you hit that goal, hit that goal. So hopefully I'm out of it and doing whatever I want. Um, or just, just being able to do whatever I want that to, to me, financially free is having enough money, not to think about taking a vacation, buying a brand new car, walking out and having dinner every night, whatever it is. It's just like, like my kids college is paid for, we got investment properties. They're paying for whatever it is in life that we need. I got businesses running, just just being able to take and pick and choose what I want to do, and just it's go the do option that. exactly. It's and having be, because the option. that's what I always say. It's like entrepreneurs, we all love what we do. Yep. At the end of the day, building businesses, doing our craft, whatever it is. So, oftentimes, the people who work the longest in life are the entrepreneurs. The, the wealthiest ones are the ones who almost never retire. Yep. There's a reason for that. 
you go for the financial freedom to have the option, not to necessarily take advantage of it. And I think the more success that you have, the less opportunity you actually allow yourself to take advantage of that, right? Because then you get more and more excited. Um, and it's, it's sort of like a proof of concept too. The more proof of concept you get, the more excited you get about the business. And it's like a snowball effect until you never want to leave it. Right. And so, um, and what I will say too, is we were talking earlier about how you didn't reinvent the wheel with the home inspections. You made it better. Mm-hmm. And there is something to be said though, for the other business, which is inventing a new wheel. Right. And so what you said in terms of financial gain the home inspections may never match up to what that could scale to. Mm-hmm. So for anyone who's listening, who is chasing that, that um, sort of new wheel concept, did that kind of, sh- was that something that fell into your lap? Were you chasing a new wheel concept or was it something that you kind of just fell into your own lap? Honestly, if I hadn't pursued the home inspections, if I hadn't just tried to, improve the wheel that already existed, I wouldn't have ever discovered the new wheel. Like, and, and you can even think about home care as, um, basically a reinvention of Angie, like in some sense, like, you know, it isn't, it isn't a brand new wheel, but it is, it's got some, it's got quite a bit new shape to it. You know, it's, 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 it's definitely modeled off of previous existing things, but we're, totally putting our whole it still see, it. to me it still seems completely different it does I, I i at least from the contractor's point of view yeah. maybe the consumer would see something but angie's not a subscription model no. and yours is and, and the way that you approach people is a lot different from how angie would mm-hmm. the way that you want to go about the contractors is a lot different from the way angie does so yeah. um the only reason i ask that is because i think a lot of people get caught up in like I'm going to, I'm going to start this new business and completely change the industry. And it's true that the biggest financial gain is, is often found in that kind of business, right? Like the, there's a reason why Musk and Bezos and Gates are all some of the wealthiest people on the planet because Mm -hmm. they started things that have never been started before. So that's, that's not something I don't, I think people should be chasing and that, that, because you, like you said, mm-hmm. you just stumbled across it, yeah. starting something that was finding pain points, solving problems, getting a little bit better, 1% every day. Mm-hmm. And then you found this complete hole in the industry yeah. and you're like, it just so happens now, now you actually get to bring something to the market that for the most part, hasn't been brought to the market before right. and scale it to a point where it'll blow everything out of the water. So that's awesome, man. Um, I really, really appreciate you sharing that with me. Um, I'm sure if you listen to a few of these, you know what I'm about to do. <laughs> yep. So, um, I'm glad you didn't get to the end of the last episode. No, so you don't know the question. So, um, the last guest, well, I'll explain it because I always explain it. I ask, I ask the last guest to leave a question for the next guest in every, every episode. And the last guest, he asked, if you had to be a celebrity or any kind of influencer at any time period, who would it be and why? Hmm. Okay. Um, when I was growing up, I actually raced cars, like go-karts, moved into racing and everything like that. So I was super into racing and... I 
always thought it would be very cool to be like a professional, like in that, like I realized pretty early on that financially I was never going to make yeah. it because it's a pay to play kind of sport. Oh, so, yeah. um, which was good because a lot of people around me did not. Um, but honestly, if I could be somebody, I'd say it would probably have to be like either like Michael Schumacher or like Lewis Hamilton, like F1 driver or like a top NASCAR driver, just, just something that's like the peak of their sport. Like, yeah. Those guys, especially F1, those guys are nuts. Like, <laughs> they are so mentally tough and just physically tough. Like, those cars are not easy to drive. They're taking some Gs on those. Yeah, oh, yeah. Um, but, man, like, if I could be, like, Lewis Hamilton in his in his heyday, or even Schumacher, like, those cars were even worse to drive way back then before they had all the modern stuff in them. So, um, that would just be so cool because the mental fortitude that they have to have to like literally put their car in a position on the track that they could absolutely crash and die. Like oh, yeah. just without hesitation is like a mind space that I have never been in and I would love to experience. That'd be right. so cool. But like, it's like a, that fighter pilot, like mindset, like you just do like it's, it's, that's the thing. Go for it. No second thought, no hesitation. Um, I think that'd be so cool. I mean, the just driving multi-million dollar cars around sounds fun so yeah f1's a little more multi-million aren't those cars like 30 mil oh yeah a pop oh yeah like, i've heard the steering wheels are like yeah the steering wheels are a couple million yeah so, like yeah. that's yeah. ridiculous dude i'll never i'll never understand that no. i don't know what you can put in a steering wheel to make it a couple million dollars yeah, yeah exactly like that's unreal yeah that's be, that's a cool, cool one yeah. that's a cool one do you um so where'd you race when you were younger? Um, all across New England, mostly. Um, Beechridge in Maine, um, Lee, Star. Loudon. Um, a little bit at Loudon. yep. Um, Do you, did you ever race Legends? Yep. So I did the road my course My cousin, there. she's, I think, this, about the same age as you. Her name's Taylor Martin. Yep. You know Taylor? I know Taylor, yeah. Yeah. I used to race with her, actually. Okay. Yep. I, f I figured you probably did, because the racing community around here is a pretty tight-knit yep. community. Yeah. yeah, she's isn't she down further in Connecticut or she no so she lives in Wyndham but she, oh, she lives in Wyndham she oh, that's what it was would it's go down to Connecticut gotcha gotcha and yeah I remember the peak of her racing I was at a few of those yep and dude she had like three legends all in that that giant like sixty oh, foot yeah. trailer with this sixty foot motorhome yep and yeah we I went down to Jersey with them before mm -hmm. and um oh yeah that was nuts I went to like a national event that yeah. they have like a you race all year, you get points and you can qualify for the nationals. Like, yep. and they have different tiers of, um, in legend cars for like at novices and you've been doing it a couple of years and then like you're a pro or then you're like, you're old. They had like an old guy's class, which was yep. funny. But, um, I think I qualified for like the semi pro, like I'd been doing it for a couple of years yep. and I went down there and like me and one other guy, I think from up here kind of qualified. So we kind of like tail, you know, did our thing, drove down there in our little, you know, 20 foot race trailers or whatever, yeah. like single tall, like no, just one car and showed up in like NASCAR hauler, NASCAR hauler, not like literally oh, yeah. like 18 legend cars shoved into these like haulers. And I'm sitting there like, okay. And I'm like, I got two sets of tires for the whole weekend. <laughs> yeah, like, right. let's do this. Like I did pretty well, but it was like, it was wild. Oh, oh to it's see. crazy. I mean, I remember <laughs> she, she had, she had a crew at one yep. point. I mean, she took it seriously. Yeah. Um, and I think got all the way up to late model. Yep. And she went through, I remember being at one of those races and they didn't do the age brackets and, mm. at, at that point. So I remember this old guy, like literally I watched her, she's coming by this old guy, just 
drives like like took everything out of his own vehicle mm-hmm. to like smash into the back end she spun out her her hood went right, right through her windshield yep. car started like catching on fire and this everyone's like I, i'm pretty sure the guy got the shit kicked out of him at, oh i'm um, uh, sure in yeah the, in the lot because like that was that was bad dude yep. i remember that because yeah, when you say pay to play, those cars ain't cheap. <laughs> no, and you're li- when you see one of those crash, it's like ah, uh, yep, uh, it hurts. Yep, yeah. I I moved up. I did go karts, legend cars, um, and then I did. Uh, they're called NEMA midgets. They're like winged midget cars. Yep. So they're like the same size as a legend car. They're a little bit bigger, but they have like a twelve or fourteen inch slick tire. It's like a bigger than a late model tire on the right rear, and like. A, literally a massive wing which all that is is downforce and yep. grip like those things they have most of the track records besides like super um the super uh super mods or whatever it is the the ones that are even faster than that yeah. but like most track records are one of these two or three classes i was in the light class i never got to the bigger class because yeah. it was like big money for that but oh my god those things are so fun and like you it, it was like driving a 100 mile an hour go-kart like literally yeah. just like whipping around the track like oh I'd, I'd go back and do that someday that'd be that's cool. that'd be so much fun that's cool it's cool that you race with her too yeah yeah <laughs> um so what's your question oh boy um hmm i was thinking about this oh yeah that's what i wanted to do um so I've always found, and it has changed over time, but like having a why in why you do something, why is it that you're building a business? Why is it that you're doing whatever it is? Um, like what is like, what is your why? And would you be willing to change it? Would you be willing to compromise your why? in order to get to the next level or would you just try to go do something else to be able to keep your why? Cause I've met a lot of people who they think they've found this thing that will get them to that next level, but then they completely sacrifice who they are or something and they lose like all of it. Like some people it's their family. Some people it's um, the money. Like I just want to be rich. And I, you know, I think if people had, a stronger why sometimes like their basis in life that would maybe propel them a little further. Um, so like, why not just bring it back to basics? Be like, what is your why? And, you know, have you ever considered compromising that just to get to that next level? You know? So for instance, if like your why is education. Yeah. I mean, my, my why in life is like, family like i am i am for sure family and why but like why in my business is education i feel like there was a huge gap in being educated when people so if if the new rule was that you were not allowed to advise clients that would get rid of your why yeah i would find something else to do so you'd go all into the home care business yeah okay exactly yeah i enjoy when i get up and i have an inspection that day or whatever it like if i'm going to an inspection that day I'm so excited to teach someone about that house because I, it's just that engineering mindset of like problem solve, figure it out and then explain it and teach. Cause like I'm showing up to the house and I've never seen it before. They've right. probably seen it at least once seeing it a showing or whatnot. I'm there and I'm 
figuring everything out. I'm problem solving all day long. And then I'm, I just get to teach. And that is so fulfilling for me to be able to just bring so much knowledge into someone else's life about such a most expensive, biggest purchase of their life, probably that far, thus far in their lives. It's like, I just want, I just want to be their teacher. Like, I just yeah. want to help people. Like at the end of the day, it's, if I can help make someone's life a little bit better, understanding their home, like I'm, I'm tickled. Like, yeah. that's awesome. And it comes down to, and what I've noticed in all education is the actual like success of your level of educating somebody comes down to truly like obviously how much you understand it, but then how well you able to interpret it and then spit it back out in the most basic level that's applicable mm -hmm. because like you could, you could t explain something at a basic level, but if people don't understand why it matters, yeah. that's, you know, it's like, it's like explaining how boilers work and things like that. And if you don't explain to people why that, that, um, energy kinetics board, right? Like why that's important to call for heat when the thermostat turns, mm -hmm. you could say, oh, well, the low voltage is, is out or whatever. That's the buzzing. And you simplified the problem. Why does it matter to me though? Oh, well, when you turn your thermostat up or down, there's something wrong with the voltage and it's not going to call the boiler for heat. Yep. Then, then they understand, okay, so I see why this is important to me now. Right. And so it really comes down to the guy who can explain it and link both real, real life, like simple understanding, mm -hmm. basic understanding with why it matters and what you should do about it. And so the flow that you have been setting up between the two companies of I'm going to explain to you what this is all about, mm -hmm. what I think you should do. And then I'm going to give you the option to go with our other company and figure out how to take care of it. Dude, you have, you have a very slow, but very strong in my eyes grip on this whole hole <laughs> for lack of a better term in the market. So yep. um, that's awesome, man. Hey, you want to plug anything, any uh, socials? Yeah. Um, Pretty much mostly on Instagram. I think I've linked the Facebook, but I'm, I focus on the Instagram um, at pineland.homes. Um, my website is www.pineland.homes as well. Um, and if there's any, honestly, any agents, I've had insurance agents. I've had um, like, who else? Uh, title, people who do title closings, like anyone in the real estate space. Honestly, though, but like real estate agents, mostly if anybody is curious about home inspections, I am willing to teach. Like I've actually talked to so many real estate agents now at this point that are like, they've never done a home inspection because they're new or they're just like, I feel like I just go and I stand around and I don't really learn anything. I've actually am developing a course for those people. I want to have them come to my house and I will inspect my house right. easy enough, but like, it's hard to find a location to do it where like I can walk them all around my house and show them all of the issues that I found or anything that's going on or why things are the way they are and do it in smaller groups and maybe do it once a month or whatever. But, um, I'm going to be developing a course. And if anybody wants to reach out, who's interested in that, um, just hit me up on Instagram, send me a DM or something. Exactly. It's I like am. people, cause like I'll be able to answer all your questions. And like, if you, you might have questions that are like, so far out in left field, I'm like, wow, that's a great question. I don't know that, or I haven't right. heard that. I'm going to go find out because I'll learn something too. Like that's, I feel like it's such a, a great way to either just honestly to get to know each other as well as get to network and 
learn. Like, again, this is exactly what this that's is. That's all this it's, is. It's, it's, like it's, it's bringing value to people and selfishly, you get to learn certain things that you didn't otherwise know. Exactly. And that that's awesome, man. Yeah. So yeah, if anybody's interested, I'm happy to have you. Absolutely. Yeah. Come on over and, and we'll inspect my house together and just, I'll, I'll teach you. Let's do everything. It. So yeah, and you'll plus you'll learn all the problems you have in your yeah. own house. <laughs> oh yeah, there's plenty. Believe yeah. me, everybody has a honeydew list. So. Oh yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I appreciate you coming on today. Yeah, man. Absolutely.